0: The following podcast contains spoilers and words such as gh, and b***. Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. G'day, everybody, and welcome to We Watch The Thing. It's Billy, and I'm here with Tove. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm just checking the WhatsApp. <laughs> While we're recording? I oh know, I'm good. I'm focused. Mate, no, that doesn't seem very focused. <laughs> I'm focused now. Do do you often look at other things while you and I are talking? No, I don't. I would hope not. (laughs) I would hope that you give me your all. (laughs) I don't give you my all. I give the listeners my all. Oh, that's that's hurtful. You're you're an afterthought. (laughs) That's mean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How you been anyway, though? Same old. Yeah. Yep. Have you watched anything good? Eh. (laughs) Spoiler alert for today's episode. (laughs) Because what are we talking about today, my friend? We are talking about a film. It goes by the name of Greyhound. Yes. Um, It was meant to be a cinema release, um, but it suffered the same fate that many a film has uh, in the year of our Lord 2020. Yes. And straight to VOD. Yes. And it got rushed there pretty quickly because it wasn't meant to be theatrically released until June 12th. And mm. I believe it was after that date that they sold out to Apple TV, who then dropped it, like, three weeks later. So, yeah, it all happened pretty quickly. The film had a budget of $50 million, and they sold it to Apple TV Plus for $70 million. So, I feel like they maybe just made their money back. I don't know how much they'd put into promotion before this. Yeah, but- that'd be the telling thing. All right. So, what did you think the film was going to be about? <laughs> I did. I did message you. There is a major bus line um, under the name Greyhound. And looking at the poster for this, I don't know a lot about the Navy. (laughs) Somehow I missed the boat in in the bottom half. But looking at Tom Hanks' little cap... I really thought he was a bus driver. <laughs> and right. I, so you thought this was gonna be like Sully on a bus? I, I thought this was Sully on a bus. That's a hundred percent what I thought this was gonna be. I had zero idea going into this that it was a world war film. I really thought it was gonna be Sully on a bus. And quite frankly, that's a movie I wanna see. <laughs> yeah, we should yeah, we should watch Patterson instead. <laughs> right. Greyhound is a 2020 American war film directed by Aaron Schneider and starring Tom Hanks, who also wrote the screenplay. The film is based on the 1955 novel The Good Shepherd by C.S. Forrester. And as well as Hanks, it stars Stephen Graham, Rob Morgan and Elizabeth Shue. Would we say it stars Elizabeth Shue? Well, yeah, that's a great question. And uh, it's not about a bus driver. What is it about, Tove? It's about a sea captain. Captain Phillips, I think, is his name. (laughs) Uh, it's it's about a captain who is charged with protecting a convoy as they cross uh, a part of the Atlantic that has a very foreboding name, which I can't remember. Getting right into it, yeah, the movie really is just one big long battle scene, really, with just a, a short little, utterly useless flashback yes. of Tom Hanks talking to Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, I don't need the flashbacks. I don't understand. I. The film doesn't do enough to make me care about Elizabeth Shue's character. And none of this is aimed at Elizabeth Shue. No. She's fine. No, but no. I don't care about that scene. I don't care about the character. It's not like the film. It's not like, oh, if we just have this one scene, we'll pass yes. the Bechdel test. I know. And here's the thing is that I don't I don't even care about Tom Hanks' character. Like I don't feel like those scenes are meant to make you care about her. I think they're supposed to give you more reason to care about him. But I actually just don't. You know, if you're going to do a film like this, like, the film itself is is short. This is a really short 90-minute film, I think, but without the credits, it's like 82 minutes. Um, and without those flashback scenes, obviously, it would be, I don't know, around 70 or so. I feel like they maybe put them in just to flesh it out a little. But to me, it's like, make a bold choice. You know, like you look at Dunkirk, which is in some ways a very similar film, where it's that tight time frame. You don't get a lot else about the characters. But that just does it. That makes that bold choice. I feel like I would appreciate this more if it didn't bother with the flashbacks and was like, this is what this film is. You don't know anything about these characters. The film is this journey. I think I would like it a little bit more. I'm convinced I would have. Yeah. I just don't need those flashbacks. I will say that it's a it's a shame for this. Like Tom Hanks was um, pretty bummed, as I understand, that this film was not going to be shown in cinemas. And that's understandable because- Particularly, I think, for audio, the theatrical experience just would be more rewarding for this film, surely. It would, but I don't think this movie would have done very well in cinemas. This is- We spoke about um, Ford v Ferrari. This, to me, is the epitome of a dad movie. Like, Tom Hanks, War Captain, not really all that brutal or anything as far as war films go. It's- I don't know. There's just not a lot of interest here for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not based on real events, but it's based on actual stuff that, yeah. you know, that dad can say, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I have to say, for me personally, this is the longest feeling 90 minutes I've ever had. Uh, like, this, this feels like a very drawn out movie. And a lot of it is just watching this guy run from one side of the boat to the other. And I, I don't know. It, it feels very drawn out to me. Did you feel the same thing? No, I thought it felt actually pretty quick. Um, okay. Because, well, yeah, I thought it felt like as long as it is. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, because barring that scene with Elizabeth Shoes' character, couldn't tell you her name, um, once we get into what most of the film is, setting-wise, it really is just straight into it. It, it like, is. The guy it is. gets out of yeah. bed and two minutes later, they're under attack. Maybe it's because I'm not really much of a war movie guy and I'm not much of, like, a tactical guy. You know, something like 1917 was easy for me to digest because it's very simple. It's just run from here to there. (laughs) Whereas this, where there is a lot of kind of tactical talk, I tend to lose what's happening. Um, And I also personally, I feel like you're supposed to think the whole situation is very tense. But I actually didn't find that. I found that the only thing that really added tension to the movie was... The score, which it's not very memorable, but it does do that very driving kind of tense. and and But apart from that, I kind of felt nothing watching this movie. But that might just be me because, as I said, I'm not really a war guy. Yeah, because it does kind of let you off the hook with scenes in terms of the tension you're talking about. There's scenes where, like, things are really going pear-shaped. And rather than sticking with the action, we jump forward eight hours. Exactly. And so yeah. then it's like, okay, well, well, how dire was that then? Yes. If what happened next was so unimportant that we've jumped to, like, genuinely the next morning. Yeah, that's right. And for me, it's like, if this movie isn't going to give you that tension, then really what's it doing? Because it doesn't it doesn't give you the emotion that, say, Saving Private Ryan does as a war film. Um, and it doesn't give you the tension that, say, Dunkirk does. It just kind of left me feeling a lot of nothing. Mm. One thing I like in the- uh, in the scenes, particularly in um, on the bridge, is that it doesn't bother explaining to you what something at mark whatever at bearing whatever means. I think it's probably actually intentional that you feel a little bit lost, yeah, as to what all this means because it it, it becomes all you know a bit more hectic and a bit more harrowing. Um, that's a choice I really like about Hanks' script. That it's just like, you know what, the audience will stay with me even though they don't know the ins and outs of naval warfare. Yeah, yeah. And, like, it it takes me back, you know, things like, I mean, you know, one of my absolute favourites, Crimson Tide, does the same thing. There's plenty of things shouted out in that film, which on viewing 37, I still don't know what they mean. But I also don't care because if it gives you the feeling that goes along with that, that's fine. That's right. And it also keeps that authenticity. You don't need to break the action for someone to explain what's being said or it it just keeps that authenticity. This is something this guy would yell out. Cool. I'm cool with that. We'll figure out what it means later. (laughs) Like, yeah, I agree. I think that's a good choice. Maybe I'm a bad podcaster. I didn't do my prior research. Has Hanks written films before? He has. um, I know he has, but I can't tell you what they are. And I don't think it's been many. Yeah, I think as far as the screenplay goes, I, I don't think it's bad. Like I said, I don't think there's a lot there. And I think it helps that he wrote it because as an actor, I think that really helped him bring out what he could in the character. Because I do think what you get in the film doesn't give you a lot. So I think if somebody else picked up this script and just tried to play it, it might feel even more flat but i think it was a smart choice casting himself because he's able to really eke out and and obviously when he wrote it he was he was picturing it he knows what this character is so i feel like that's a smart choice and i think hanks is is good in this film do you identify a bit with captain hanks as to what captain billy would have been like you know it's it's all very dangerous middle of world war 2 we could die at any time but could you go get my snuggy jacket and my slippers? <laughs> I absolutely would have done that. <laughs> that is a thousand percent me. <laughs> I mean, it looks very chilly out on that deck. <laughs> yeah. Unpleasant. It, it very sure unple- does. Deeply, deeply unpleasant yes. surroundings. Which is actually, that's another thing I do like about the film. I've heard some people talk about the visual effects being a bit ropey. And I, d- for example, I don't think the water looks great as far as rendered water can. Um, but I actually quite like the visual look of the th- film. I think the colour palette, you know, it's really bleak. It's really grey. And, I mean, obviously that's intentional. I actually, yeah, I, I enjoyed the look of the film and the cinematography was was nice. One thing for me with the lighting in the film, and this is a, I think this is purely just a personal tasting. It's not really necessarily a criticism. Um, it happens in this film where the interior is lit by tungsten lights that have a very yellow colour to them. But the cameras are set for daylight, which is like, it's naturalistic. It is what would happen. But I'm just perfectly all right myself with movies just going, you know what, realism can get stuffed for a second. Let's not have yellow lights in people's faces unless it's for a really specific effect. And in this movie, it's one of the ones where, I'm looking at the color palette. Going for me, it's just a bit yuck. Oh, really? See, I didn't mind that because, uh, as you know, I'm I'm all on the the natural lighting train. Um, There's a difference between natural lighting and no <laughs> lighting, Billy. <laughs> well, no, see, because the camera has the gain button. The ISO—that's that, that's your internal light. <laughs> you don't you don't need to turn a light on if you can just pump the gain up to. 6,000. <laughs> yeah, something that a lot of cinematographers, I think, they, they miss that trick, don't they? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're seeing it more and more these days. I think they're finally understanding, you know, mm. what the camera is capable of. Yeah. Um, yeah Deacons will get there. Deacons will get there. Yeah. They'll, st- they'll stop wasting all this money on lights and they'll go, hey, hey, Deaky, did you know that there's this little switch here that can just, that's an internal light and he'll go, oh, wow, that's 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 pretty cool. How fucking um, that moment will be for Roger yeah. Deacons. <laughs> So yeah, I, I actually didn't mind it because I like that very realistic looking lighting, as awful as as yellow lighting is. Like I know what you're saying. It's one of the it is not kind to people's faces. Well, it's fine if that's where the camera's balanced. I just don't like it. But that's fine. <laughs> it's just me. Um like you, you did mention the the effects, which I'm probably with team Ropey on this one. I think anytime there's a a wide shot. Of the convoy. Yeah. The yeah. white shots is where you notice it, particularly. Not great. Yeah. And maybe this feeds into this feeling I have with this film. But actually, I think it's, I think I'd have it even if the effects were shit hot, is that I think this film works better if it's, like, the majority of dust boot and you actually never escape the ship. Yeah. It's just, like, completely internalised. The only way you're aware of anything going around is either the radar or... Or yes. you see an explosion, you know, off the starboard deck. Yep. And it it just, I, I think it would do better of getting its hooks into you if I it agree. never let you escape from this this setting. Yeah, like, like the phone booth of boat movies. This really comes to a head where, at one point, one of those breaks we're talking about where it seems like everything's going pear-shaped and then we jump forward eight hours. One of those happens with this kind of... Terence Malick esque rise up into the sky yes. as we look at the Northern Lights and like okay we know it like they're going for this thing with the juxtaposition between this incredible beauty and the horrors underneath it but it's yeah. just like uh, no wrong film guys absolutely wrong I film agree with you yeah Thousand it's like percent. just you stop letting me off the hook back to the bridge please. Uh, that's what that's what I need. I was really, really missing the tension in this film. I really wanted to be on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I feel like that's what the movie is going for, given the setting. Like, like, they don't continuously flashback him and Elizabeth Shue to try break that tension. They they try and just put you in there. But I agree with you. They break the tension too many times just by skipping forward the, the things like the pan to the sky. It just it doesn't leave you there gripped. I think it's a shame because I think that the sections of the film that spend the longest uninterrupted periods with the crew doing what they're doing in this scenario. I think it's a pretty successful film. But it just it doesn't do it for long enough. It's like it's like watching a sporting team you follow that like can play two good quarters a week, but you know are just gonna stink <laughs> it up for yeah. the other half and ultimately you'll be left. Weeping into a beer. <laughs> yeah, and I think that the rest of the supporting cast are quite good, but this really is the Hanks show. Like, I could probably barely even name another supporting character's name. Um, I don't even know if I could tell you Hanks's name. Is he actually Captain Philip? <laughs> I really don't think it's Captain Phillip's. <laughs> <laughs> like- you know the supporting cast are good in doing what they do, but it is a very short film with not a lot. Um, there's no, for example, character development, and that's fine because that's not this film. But I just don't think a lot of people are really given a lot to do. And like you said, that's fine. That's the yeah, film. That's what this film is. This film is. It's a, a. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. It's. It's like the opposite of a character study. <laughs> It is a story study, I guess. (laughs) It's an attack on boats study. (laughs) All right. So, Billy, it's the 1940s. Yep. Well, I mean, not not presently, but you mean hypothetically. Place yourself there. Okay. I'm there, buddy. (laughs) You're in a convoy. Yep. Convoy. Um, Would you rather be in- ...one of the ships with supplies getting protected and you don't have to do that much work, you just hope you don't die, or would you rather be on Greyhound? Um, I mean, you know me, you know that my general state is not wanting to do a lot of work and hoping I don't die... So for me, it would be much like a general day at work. I would say hmm. not that different to my current job. I would probably hang out on one of the safe boats. Yeah. And then uh, at the end, just chant Greyhound, Greyhound. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yep. That'd be me. What about you? Are you more, do you more want the action? Um, oh, mate, for me, the juice is the payoff. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what, you don't know what movie that's from. Uh, it didn't sound familiar. What is it? It's cuz I misquoted it, although you still don't know. I think the actual quote is that the action is the ah oh, fuck no. Now I really butchered it. <laughs> this has gone pear-shaped. Come on, what are you trying to say, buddy? Take a deep breath. It's from Tom Sizemore says it in Heat. Oh, I haven't seen Heat um, yet. And then we get a nice Tom Hanks tie in because Saving Private Ryan. Excellent. Yes, I do need to see Heat. Um, here's a question for you, and this is similar to the old, would you rather go to space or would you rather go to the deep sea? Yes. Um, I personally am a deep sea guy. I know that you're space. Certainly. Would you rather be in the Navy or the Air Force? Do you want to be on a boat or on a plane? Um, I mean, in Crimson Tide, Gene Hackman makes fun of the Air Force, and I don't want to upset (laughs) Gene. (laughs) How many times is Crimson Tide going to come up today? (laughs) And I hear the Navy has better food. Oh, really? Particularly submarines. That's how they like coax you to do it, right? Because here's the thing: insanity. I've been on a Navy boat for a week, and I could not tell you what the food is like because I was just spewing overboard the entire time. Because <laughs> seasickness is real. It is. And real. I, I was shocked because I wasn't the only one. These there were like hard-edged Navy guys sitting there spewing overboard with me, being like. Yeah, this is this is it, man. This is the life. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is a nightmare. Yeah, I remember being on a yacht once, and the guy, one of, one of the sailors, who was this was when I was in school, um, makes it sound like I went to a very wealthy school. <laughs> yeah, no, um, you went on a yacht. <laughs> we were sailing from Sydney to just south of Wollongong. Okay, so not a long journey. No, um, like an hour. <laughs> was great on, great on the way down. Dude, you're not on the highway. It takes longer than that. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty close together, though, Sydney and Wollongong. The way down was great. We had, you know, winded our back, spinnaker up, sun shining, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Next yeah. day was an absolute fucking horror show. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the, the the seasoned sailors that we had with us were just like, don't feel bad if you spew, because yeah, it happens, like, to all of us occasionally, you'll just get stung. It's got yeah. nothing to do with being tough. It'll just happen. And the the weirdest part is, so, so your journey was like an hour. <laughs> I, I, I was on it for literally just over a week. The weirdest part is by about day six, you're like, okay, I'm not going to spew today. This is good. Then you get off the boat. Oh, and yeah. You have, and you have land legs. Yep. You're like, your body is now used to the constant rocking and you can't walk straight. That's right. For those of us who understand the soul of the sea and have that connection. <laughs> When we get back on land, (laughs) we're all over the shop. So, anyway, long story short, I couldn't tell you if the Navy food is any good, because I think I ate maybe once the entire week. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's go Air Force. We don't want to throw up that much. You don't want to throw up that much. (laughs) (laughs) Who's who's your favourite Tom Hanks captain? And I'm including- I'll go because what what's his rank in Apollo 13 is he commander? I think he's commander isn't he yeah, yeah what is his do you count a sheriff as a captain? I don't so i can't I can't go woody no Woody's not a captain. What about a coach? would you count a would you count a coach as a captain? No, a coach has a captain Oh, uh, okay all right he's got you know he's got Gina Davis. Well, yeah, yeah, because that's where I was going. My figure. Um, Okay, all right. Yeah, Apollo 13 then. Yeah. Yeah, definitely for me. All right. We're not talking about Apollo 13 though. Back to Greyhound. Talking about Greyhound, which we haven't been speaking about for quite some time. (laughs) How how are you scoring this? Greyhound is fine. Five out of ten. I'm a four out of ten. I liked it just a little bit less than you. It just didn't suck me in. But look, if you're a dad um, who's (laughs) over the age of 50- I reckon you should check it out. You spend half your time reading about World War II anyway, so true. go watch or, the movie. You know, watching History Channel, which might as well be called the World War II Channel. That That's exactly right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, so not for me, but I can see how it could be for some people, but I don't think it would have done well in cinemas. I think dropping it to streaming was the right choice. Yeah, you just get that 70, you pocket that 70 million and move on with your life, I think. Yep. Yep. I can see why Hanksy's upset about it. Especially, you know, he wrote it. Like he, he did more than just acting it. This really would have been his baby. Mm. But um yeah, have a better baby, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I think that about a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we getting to next week, buddy? Next week, where we've got a bit of a we're jumping on a patron train and we're not getting off for a while. No, that's right. For the next month, we are doing Patreon Palooza. We've got a patron request every week for the next month. And then what's happening after that? Should we tell the people? No, you'll find out. Oh, Stay really? tuned. Oh, you don't want to? Really? We're keeping this a surprise? Maybe next week. Maybe next week? <laughs> okay. All right. Now you've got to tune in next week, even if you don't want to hear about the movie, just to hear what's happening after that. <laughs> all right. So next week, first patron request, we're getting to Brazil. 1985 Terry Gilliam film. Apparently our patrons really like Gilliam. All about that- tg <laughs> all right <laughs> in the meantime if you want to get in touch with us you can do that at wewatchething.com or wewatchething at gmail.com you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter all under the handle at we the Thing. if you want to help support the show and make us watch something or get early access to episodes you can do that at patreon.com forward slash thing and we'll catch you next week I think what we added is is good quality content as it's well. It's great content. It's good stuff. Is it related to film? Not necessarily. No. It's more fun than Greyhound. So, well, absolutely, it is. <laughs>